We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are into the closing stretch. I don't even know if we can say closing stretch. Or we are into the final. Who's familiar with horse racing terms here? The final furlong of this race. We are about to get into the fantasy football finals. Best ball finals, dynasty finals. I have a story later on in the show, Sean, as to how I did not get through to one of those dynasty finals. Got eliminated on a close loss in the semifinal. But we are ready to talk through some of the information. Sean, you you and Ben, although it could have potentially even creeped higher, up into 14th place in the FFPC main event. Myself and yourself on the team that we talked about over the last week, the Have a Good One Superflex roster, into the final 50-person final there. A chance at $50,000 in play. We'll talk about some of the players in that roster, how that goes on as we you know, and that's the other thing. Maybe we'll take a moment at the start of the show, Sean, to say this. There's a lot of talk, Sean won't have seen this probably on social media, about last week, for example, in Baseball Mania, teams not advancing or, you know, you get a certain amount of teams through your, your group, but then you don't advance teams through. And then again, obviously, you're going to see it this week where more teams get eliminated. It's very, very hard in these Superflex contests to get through and to advance, or not just, I meant Baseball, not Superflex, but then we're in a situation where we have a team that has qualified and there'll be listeners out there i've had people reach out to me over the last you know 12 hours to say some people have as much as five teams true to some of these finals you know i've seen pat korean as some teams true to the bbm4 i was you know i think he's going for the reap this year obviously but it is really really difficult even if you're a volume player even if you draft a lot of teams so to anyone out there who has either got to this week and got eliminated or got to this week and has advanced through to a final with a chance you know it's a it's a big big achievement to get to that point so we have a team sean that is true so congratulations to you congratulations to me but the other part of that is i know two other people already that are going to be in that 50 man group we have zachary kruger with a team through we have tom strachan with a team true who drafted sean it's the oti listener league draft Very i haven't nice. told sean this up until now but yeah so it's pretty cool there's some rotavis some ot crossover there but getting to this we'll point, call eric hope I mean, who Mm -hmm. uh, filled in on OT when yep. I was uh, doing a little bit of traveling there mid-season as a team into the Superflex oh. finals. So 
it's it's going to be loaded. I would say we have at least a fifty percent chance that we're one of us are going to win it. There's only four teams, but at least a fifty percent chance. 50, 50. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so congratulations to anyone who's in their dynasty finals or is in any contest at this point because it's it's a tough slog, Sean. The fantasy football season, and you know we've mentioned some of our ups, some of our downs, but you get to points then where you know, you, you do it for the fun, but you know getting those bragging rights at the end is it's what we want to do. We want those high placed finishes. How are you feeling after, obviously, a, probably a strange week, holiday season. I watch these games, a lot of them, on a more advanced delay than I normally do. Some games, I was like, oh, there's games on at this time of the day. I was like, <laughs> completely out of sync. But um, an interesting week, and I think I would chalk this up as a very unique and weird week because we do have some high-scoring players, but not to the equivalent of what we had the previous week where we had multiple players and you know 30-plus point games. We have players who have big games who aren't probably on a lot of rosters at this point, but are on some and do make a difference. Um, so a weird, a weird week, I think. I enjoyed most of it, but there was parts of it that also dri- drove me absolutely insane. How do you feel? Yeah, I, you get to this point, and kind of as you described there at the beginning, it becomes you know very difficult and very emotional because you're getting some huge games, some huge games in your favor, some huge games against you, and you really need you know almost everything to come out perfectly in order to accomplish everything you know at the same time but some of those things that are going perfectly for you in one scenario are also going terribly for you in another scenario because there's leagues where you're going to have both of those players and different one against you one for you and that makes it even tougher i think sometimes your head is in a spin it is it is and the thing that you don't want to do is thread the needle in the wrong way and yet when you're talking about having you know the best team out of 16 to advance in BBM, for example, or to have one of the top couple teams in the Superflex contest. I mean, the most likely thing is that you will thread the needle the wrong way, where the thing you needed in one situation is going to come back and kill you in another. You get it, but you still don't advance, but it also knocks you out of another one. And the thing about that is that you, it's so important to try and embrace and have fun with it and know that that's the most likely thing to happen and just, you know, try and imp- approach the whole thing with joy. Now I say that, um knowing that it's it is difficult and you can and if you run into some hurdles <laughs> with your viewing experience you also shouldn't hold that against yourself i uh and when you get close sometimes that's the very hardest because at one point ben and i were even higher on the leaderboard and had a lot of minutes remaining in the main event and you have jalen waddle catch the 50 yard pass and then get hurt with like two different injuries it's like either stop cheap shotting him or Jalen stay healthy. So he leaves the game two different times. He finishes with only that one 50 yard catch. We had Trey McBride who obviously has a down week. Kyler Murray just, I mean, it's always interesting because you do hear more discussion right now of the bears. And if they're going to keep Justin Fields and Justin Fields looks fantastic. It would be a huge risk. I believe to start over with somebody new, although Again, you do have some very interesting options this year. The reason the Bears are always discussed in that conversation is because they have that Carolina Panthers pick. And so there is the potential for them to get, you know, a generational type of player there. You watch what the Cardinals are doing currently, and you're like, if they could get a big package for Murray, that would be a no-brainer because, I mean, he looks awful. I mean, he looks just awful. (laughs) And so you tend to hear the discussion of those two players in, I think a weird or uncalibrated type of 
context and yet that context is skewed a little bit by the picks that the the different teams have although again i mean obviously the cardinals are screaming up toward the top there too in terms of what they are actually looking at but column i think the most like probably the most infuriating element is the kickers and i'd related a story a couple weeks ago where ben and i had one of our teams knocked out because our opponent scored 46 points against us this week we lost defense from kicker and defense right this week i I almost can't even say it (laughs) it's just so crazy to you know have 18 points that we gave up with the kicker decision and i mean that would move you into an interesting spot and so then when deandre swift gets we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. His uh, touchdown there early on overturned i'm like i'm gonna have to take a little break from this and enjoy christmas because uh i don't think that the uh, the standards for replay review are working very effectively the the issue is the the consistency and that's the problem we always say we want consistency and it's nearly impossible to get it when there's obviously there's always gonna be a human element mixed in but sean the kickers have we've joked a lot about you know wanting to have an extra flex spot for some particularly our main event team which was didn't go great this week but had been going better and there was a lot of and i think it would have went better this week if we had an extra flex spot the kicker spot can we change that to the flex spot that will be a, at least an option but it has been infuriating for you in that situation because in that particular contest that you mentioned the you know the, the variance for you with your two kickers was quite extreme and over the last two weeks we've made weather related decisions on our two kickers and each week the game where you think worst game script worst weather everything is pointing you in the other direction and the kicker who you set scores the most points but the one thing i would always say and the same with the one that you had this week is the process we talk about the process of like making those decisions and there is situations where you could say like for example one of the 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 match that i lost this week by the 0.05 points I sat Gabe Davis in that. And like, I was like, if I had just played Gabe Davis, I would have won by. Oh, Gabe Davis points. had scored zero points in four yes. of his last six games. Zero. Yes. So the process was correct. The result was not correct. And this is where the process versus the results can be different. Um, and again, when it comes to the kicker conversation, you can only do your process. And the process will be, hopefully, if your process is good, will be right more than it's wrong. But at the moment, Sean, the process, the kickers are not agree into the process well it's just 
I mean, you can use a, a process that makes sense with the kickers. And there are some things you can try and do to help yourself, but mostly it just isn't going to matter. <laughs> so that part ends up being, being frustrating. Colin, I have a question for you. Were George Pickens and Amari Cooper invisible this week because they did some things that they should not be capable of doing? Are you talking about the two greatest wide receivers of all time? Is that the two players? Yeah. So Amari Cooper, Amari Cooper was not invisible, but the defenders did not want to tackle him. And he actually made, I have to hands up Amari Cooper, some incredible catches in this game. Sideline catches, toe-tapping catches, but uh, like he had a day. The defenders were invisible, Sean. The defenders were invisible. Invisible or, or ghosts. I mean, they've, they've got a... Well, they were invisible oh, wow. as well on George Peckins, you know, long receiving touchdowns because, you know, they're there for a competitive catch, but they weren't there after the 35-yard line. They, they were invisible. It was, it was fun because the team that Pete and I had through had both Pickens and Higgins, which, you know, it also has Ramondre Stevenson, it has Cooper Cup, and you're, you're kind of wondering, you know, how do we get this team through in the first place now? I mean, obviously, there were some interesting and fun picks that allowed that to happen. But you're watching that game early on, and Higgins and Pickens are doing the things that you drafted them to do, especially Higgins. To get the, the long touchdowns, there were so many long touchdowns this week, Column, and that, I think, added some spice to the games. It was great to have these big plays scoring you know, kind of across the board, inconsistent and weird. But to have a lot of big plays in the fantasy semifinals, that part was a lot of fun. The plays weren't as huge for a Jameer Gibbs, but he again demonstrated Lashley. why the Lions picked him where they did. You really run out of superlatives with him. You don't want to make comparisons to you know, the greatest running backs ever <laughs> too early. But at this point, I mean, first of all, the contrast between him and David Montgomery is so stark. And Montgomery is playing well. I mean, this isn't a situation where the Lions are trying to run out a A.J. Dillon or an Alexander Madison or a Joe Mixon and... You're like, well, obviously the contrast there is <laughs> going to favor Gibbs. Montgomery's playing well. You almost can't take Gibbs off the field. He is doing so much for the Detroit Lions. They still try and lose this game. Colin, one of the most fun performances this week, and you know, I kind of would have liked to see him come out on top in it simply because the Lions have such a pathetic final kill the clock type of attempt anytime you see that you really just want the other team to, to go down and score and win punish them even if you're a, a big homer for the other side but nick mullins 411 yards a couple of touchdowns there you have i mean listen to these longs for the players justin jefferson 29 yard long kj osborne 47 hawkinson 24 brandon powell 26 josh oliver 33 johnny munt a player you might not realize is in the nfl 23 i mean he is lighting it up deep and this is a game where jordan addison who is you know one of their deep threats one of their guys who will do the gabe davis sort of deal and, and go down there stand behind the defense and, and score the touchdown when the defense is focusing on the better players he goes out of this one misses almost the entire game tj hawkinson goes out of this one i was thinking of you i know that you've got plenty of hawkinson mullins throws for over 400 yards without two of his three most important pieces now, he does throw the four picks, and you get a sense of why the teams don't want to necessarily put up with that. But just a little bit like with the Joe Flacco situation, it's great to see some quarterbacks who are willing to play some football. I could do with less of the horizontal passes and more Nick Mullins. Yeah, the other thing was interesting in this is like they did just decide 
we're not going to run the ball here. So there's 11 total rushing attempts in that. One of them is a Nick Mullins one-yard run. We have Madison two minus, for minus one yard. So 11 for 17 and a touchdown. Chandler getting the touchdown pretty early in the game, but they just go to the air after that, which was also interesting because of losing out on the two wide, or the wide receiver and the tight end that you mentioned. But Justin Jefferson, 141, one touchdown, six receptions on 10 targets. And he took some massive shots and some amazing catches for him. I'm on Ross St. Brown on the other side. Big day for him, 12 for 106 and a touchdown. Jamar Gibbs was shown. The way I'm going to move this topic on is Jamar Gibbs looks sensational. Usually at this point of the season, we would be furious if there was like a backup running back or somebody who was the presumed starter that was taking 50% of the work away from a player with the caliber of Jameer Gibbs. But David Montgomery is, you know, at least a top 15 running back this season in the NFL and has done really well. But Gibbs is just amazing. And the way I'm going to transfer this over is where should Gibbs be going in 2024 drafts? Because the question I'm going to put to you to feed into Brees Hall's conversation is, Blair asked me on the road of his report this week, should Brees Hall be in conversation for the 101? So I'm saying that it's probably Christian McCaffrey, Brees Hall as the running back one and running back two, not the 101, 102. But it's going to be pretty hard to not have Jameer Gibbs right there with Brees Hall next year. How how are you feeling about that there question about um, the early running backs next year? But move it in then to Brees Hall is is just incredible. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit will depend on you know, how Kyron Williams finishes up. He has been so flexible for the Rams and is going to take a lot more of the workload. The Rams have been very dynamic offensively, and we know that they have been able to create a lot of fantasy value for individual running backs in a variety of different types of situations. And, you know, when you think through it, it's like, Pretty obviously, Kyron Williams is not the same talent as a Todd Gurley, but he might have more flexibility in terms of what he brings to the table. Now, he's had a little bit of a fumbling issue. It was so frustrating and and disappointing this week to watch James Cook struggle with that and something that seems like it could be a real issue for him going forward where it was nice to see them go back to him after the fumble. Obviously, the Rams have gone back to Kyron Williams after he has fumbled. That's almost certainly the right way to do it. And yet there will be a breaking point for a player, especially in a situation like Buffalo, if they lose that game when they've had so many fluky losses, including losses to teams where they really shouldn't be in a close game, like with the Chargers this past week. But when you're looking at the situation that these guys are presenting, it really does, I believe, come down to those four players no one else is particularly close because of the age situation and the offensive situation for Kamara even though he's actually leading the NFL in expected points coming into this week I think he's more of a two three turn type of player and that even could shift much lower if we do get some indication that Kendra Miller is going to come back and be better or the variety of things that can happen to a back like Kamara when he's in this point where he's no longer super efficient and he's getting up there in age. Obviously that same situation, except a much more exaggerated version has been playing out over the last month with Austin Eckler, Jameer Gibbs, a more explosive day again, yesterday has had these big ups and downs for the giants, 
But most of the rest of the backs, we're talking about players who in this version of fantasy where you have to be loaded up with the wide receivers early. And that doesn't mean that you have to go with, you know, zero running back. It doesn't mean that you couldn't take a running back in the first round, but you're going to have to be very, very selective in terms of how you approach this. Any back that you take in the first six rounds really has to have extreme upside. That's one of the reasons why we targeted a James Cook. It's one of the reasons why we targeted a Gibbs while we targeted Brees Hall. Those players, you don't necessarily know what they're going to hit. You don't know they're going to stay healthy for sure. And yet the scenario where those individual players give you 30 points, 40 points in the fantasy playoffs, where they give you back-to-back 25-plus point games, it's easy to see and understand why that would happen because the profile points to that. You're targeting those players for a reason, a historical template that you can point to and say this will work. Any back that doesn't have that isn't going to be an option in the first six rounds next year. The backs who do have it probably are going to go very early, and you have that battle between them and the superstar wide receivers that first round one of the things that's been very exciting i think about the last couple of weeks is that the fantasy first round and this is something that ben and i found when we did our exercise projecting this at mid-season the first round and potentially the first you know 13 14 picks in 2024 look extremely exciting after that it's going to really bog down it's going to become an issue of how good is your structural drafting how much are you able to balance going forward the upside maybe feathering in a little bit of veteran floor and when i say veteran floor i'm probably thinking about it you know differently than most people who might be saying that phrase because i'm still thinking of it in much more aggressive terms but column you look at what these guys did and i mean the reason that ben and i were up in that spot is that we do have Brees hall on that team and so to have these kind of back-to-back weeks where you have the huge game from James Cook and you get the dud from Hall and you come back the next week and it's sort of reversed. I mean, you really would love for, for one or both of these guys to go on the run for the full three weeks, but it has been cool that they've balanced each other out a little bit and that they offer that extreme upside. What Brees Hall did this week was truly incredible, again, in the context of an offense where I think if you look at the score and you're, you're thinking, okay, they're playing the Washington Commanders, Probably seems like the offense is working better than it is, but the Jets, if anything, were just as bad this week as they have always been. Outside of the nearly 200 yards that Brees Hall gained all by himself, and Colin, the second touchdown was one that, I mean, it was arguably better than the touchdown the previous week from T. Higgins. The body control, the ability to twist, contort, know where you are, and the effort to get that ball across that line. Now, we have to be careful when we're giving people credit for effort that is touchdown related because we know that just human nature it is easier to make an extraordinary play when you're going to be the own your own hero <laughs> after the play you're going to be celebrated you scored a touchdown it's more difficult to make the heroic play when you're out on the edge blocking for a teammate and you know george pickens would tell you you shouldn't don't even bother <laughs> but it was a, a really cool play there from Brees hall and the mix of attributes and that's one of the things we're seeing from jameer gibbs i mean column i I know that you know this i mean blair argued for gibbs as the 101 in dynasty this past year we considered and at points had gibbs in that same tier with Bijan robinson we believed he was going to be that good coming in it's been exciting to see that be the case but if anything he's been even more impressive 
than expected because he's been a better pure runner than expected. I mean, here's somebody who could come in and create some big plays, run to daylight when it's there, has the ability to eventually be one of these, you know, 10, 11 EP on the receiving side to where you're expecting to get like double digits just as a receiver on a per game basis. If anything, that part has not quite manifested as quickly or as fully as we might hope for it to still do in the future. And yet what he has been as a pure runner, it's just amazing to see someone who has that combination of vision, the ability to manage traffic down at his feet. Because one of the things that you're dealing with here, in order to be able to show off the long speed, you have to be able to get through that first wave. If that's kind of tiptoeing through traffic on the inside. And when you have some contact down at your ankles to be able to get the feet back up, to not lose your balance, to lose all your momentum and then have to stagger around for a while. One of the reasons that we have some of these guys from time to time with a really high broken tackle rate, but very poor before contact yardage because they can't get through that initial wave without getting contact every time. They just don't have the agility, the speed, the vision to do the multi-step process of recognizing making the lateral cut and then making the forward burst to get through, you know, without being completely and totally stopped on just so many of these carries, but Gibbs can do it through the line. He can also do it out on the edge. One of the things that was a little bit interesting about watching the jets is that Hall was asked to run up the middle a, a ton. And then every time that they brought in Israel Abanaconda, they would pitch it to him. And you're like, yeah. he's getting these 10 yard carries out on the edge where there aren't defenders. It's like, why this contrast like both of these guys are fast it is encouraging if you have some Ibanaconda shares because i mean he's such a fun young player where the elite speed the elite athleticism and with a guy who's very sizable you could see him being one of these players who emerges as a high-end rb2 in a zero rb scenario sometime in the future now the tough part there was that it probably requires something unfortunate to happen to Brees hall which we don't want to have happen but to see Gibbs do it up the middle, to do it on the edge, to be able to take the ball, you know, anywhere from the 25 yard line and in, and you feel like, I mean, he's going to score on those plays. It's tough. I mean, you and I were rooting for the Sam Laporta, Amon Ra, Jerry Goff trio. And you're like, Nope, Gibbs is just going to score from too far out. And that's great for the lions. It's great for Gibbs fantasy managers. There's going to be this constant or continuous difficulty out into the future i think with this lions team because they are so talented it's very much like the 49ers to where that split on an individual week basis is going to give you some heartache and some heartburn and you just have to be okay with the fact that the points are going to come in chunks and that the totals at the end of the year are going to be very very difference making you get through a week like this coming off of what sam laporta did in week 15 and you can't help but be a little bit disappointed yeah, it was. And one of the things with our Superflex team, Sean, that I was kind of procrastinating on last week was that we didn't draft Sam Laporte or Trey McBride, and that was like our biggest mistake on that roster. And then this week we had Kyle Pitts and Cole Komet make the starting lineup based on the tight end flex position, who out, what outscored them both this week. So you never know what you're going to need, and you never know what's the right and wrong decision in, in certain weeks. Because you mentioned James Cook. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there frustrated with how that went this week. You know, some of their teams may have not advanced or lost but you know that is just you know the reason you got true last week is because of the huge huge performance in that situation but that you pointed out in the, the monday's article which will be in the show notes of today's show but 
Brees Hall at the start of the year, and obviously there's part of this probably working back from, you know, injury, and it's it's easy to forget now. You know, the the conversation coming in at the start of the year with Dalvin Cook being there as well. You know, up until week five, the highest targets he had in the game was three. He had two, 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 four, three. I should have said that he had four, but four was the highest. Uh, but then five, the bye week. But since the bye week, nine, four, three, six, nine, seven, nine, two, and week fifteen, which you know may have been like you know oh that's a bit concerning but shot 16 targets this week 12 receptions 96 yards now we're not expecting that every week but that is high-end wide receiver numbers in terms of what he received there and then 20 for 95 and two on the ground and it can be frustrating when it's running up the middle but hall looks 100 percent healthy at this particular point and you mentioned gibbs as well there, there was some clips obviously circulate after games of impressive plays but there's a couple of plays in particular where i think the defender makes a great tackle on 90 percent of the rest of the nfl maybe even a higher percent but you know they're just diving at shadows like he has made a cut so quick that he is gone and the defenders are just diving at air so just impressive again going back to gibbs but awesome to see hall's performance this week but sean something that wasn't awesome and has happened two weeks in a row was sam howell been taken out but watching this game there was no way other than to take him out six for 22 58 passing yards two interceptions one sack for 13 yards so the positive here is the sack number was low but also everything else was low including the completions and the yards what are you know it, it, it's obviously we've talked a lot about how he'll try the season but it feels like at the moment that we we talked earlier but sometimes when we're watching games your head can be in a spin with frustration but i think at the moment there's so much going on in terms of he's trying to avoid the sacks he's trying to make sure the play is not you know going to be an error from him and it's kind of a case where I think that he's really overthinking it, and and this last two games is by far the worst stretch that we've seen from him. I, I still have hope that it improves, but what's your thoughts on on Howell? The the part that's we mentioned last week is you know the the change around when Brissett has come in, and it's in my opinion it's not just a case of you know Brissett is you know lighting things up. I I legitimately think there is a difference in how the team around him, offensive line wide receivers and so on are are playing after that change because it is looking like two different teams with two different quarterbacks when when that change is made yeah i so i mean there just are a lot of different things going on the other thing sorry to interrupt is the defense is a bit softer as well based on the score when he's coming in (laughs) he's coming in two weeks where you know they're well behind and then all of a sudden they've come back into it so the defensive scheme may also be and focus as well yeah one of the things that was always a concern early is that jacoby Brissett's actually quite good yeah. right i mean he was better than deshaun watson last year it's it's been amusing and you could say karmic or or what have you just again sort of depending on you know your exact take on on <laughs> what cleveland has done and, and what Sean Watson has done, what have you. But Jacoby Brissett, much better than Watson last year. Joe Flecko, much better than Watson this year. You know, they probably wish they had that package of picks and money and, and all of that back to, to spend on their team because the Cleveland Browns have put together a pretty good team outside of the quarterback position. And if they had gone a different route, we might be talking about them as the best team in football. Brissett can play. And you always knew that that was going to be a threat to how you have... I think separate questions here looking at is Sam Howell going to be an NFL starter and is Jacoby Brissett going to be an NFL starter at some point in the future. It was always a little bit of a, a weird mix here where it would have been nice for Brissett to be on a team 
where maybe he had a, a better chance to play and if he played well to win. I mean, this is not a Washington Commanders team that was going to be in the playoff race this season with Brissett and with the limits that we have to the quarterback position and the extreme injury rates, you'd love for him to actually be a backup on a playoff caliber team so that if the quarterback on that team goes down, the team's outlook doesn't really change and the fantasy situation for the receivers doesn't necessarily change. Brissett is one of the best 30 quarterbacks in the NFL. So to see him come in against, as you mentioned, a defense that's probably playing a little bit differently with that big lead. Now, you know, by the third <laughs> touchdown drive, I mean, the Jets have to be thinking they should have woken up by then. Yeah, what are we doing here? And so I thought it was cool to see him play well. It's not something where, you know, we need to be rooting against Brissett in order to try and make any kind of Sam Howell take look good. The main thing with Howell is that in so many cases, he got us where we needed to be. And then you have to have the overall strength of your roster take over at least to some extent, or at least in some of the situations. In this game, I thought it was extremely frustrating because he comes out on the first play, throws to Curtis Samuel, Curtis Samuel drops it, he comes out on the second play, throws to Logan Thomas, Logan Thomas should catch it, an easy catch there instead, bats the ball into the air and it's picked. I mean, those plays are both on the receivers and it gets you off to a horrible, horrible start. Then they have a block punt. Suddenly your team is in the same case that it's been in, you know, for a month where you're instantly down in a big hole and the big hole not caused by Sam Hell. Now from that point on, he played poorly, although they did continue to drop passes. Logan Thomas had an excruciating game. He had another bad drop for Brissett when he's playing. I mean, (laughs) Almost the only pass that Brissett doesn't complete in his tenure there was another Logan Thomas drop. So these receivers are playing extremely poorly. Jahan Dotson has been, I think, probably the biggest bust in the NFL this year. I'm not sure there's anybody else close. Colin, any other names come to mind for you who in that first six, seven round range? There have been plenty of underperformers. There's been George Pickens came in as someone playing poorly. You know, there, there are other guys who weren't great, but Jahan Dotson... I mean, he's gone from being a first-round reality pick and someone who had an interesting rookie season to a guy who, you know, looks like he could be out of the league by the middle of the next season. He's been that bad. Yeah, there's been players, obviously, as you mentioned, have been disappointments, but based on expectations, like he would have been somebody we were thinking could ascend into that, you know, top three round range, you know, for this season coming, uh, and he has just plummeted, and it's it has been quite concerning as to how that has happened there's been some flashes in there sean but it's been it's been really really a letdown and concerns to see what the you know some of the questions around the coach here for example if the coach was to change ron rivera then you're into situations with a player like sam howell but also with dotson where that trajectory of an nfl career can change very very quickly indeed sean one of the things i want to mention here when we're looking at your article this week i you mentioned Kyler Murray earlier, but the, the headline, we're just going to mention the headline because I want people to know what it is. <laughs> Kyler Murray isn't Lamar Jackson or Justin Fields as a runner, but at least he's as Baker Mayfield's arm and Zach Wilson's pocket presence. So you mentioned uh, Murray was bad. I just want people to know how, how bad we thought he has been over this last couple of weeks stretch. But I also mentioned, Sean, the game that I lost in not starting Gabe Davis. That is a contest that I have lost 139.00 to 139.05 so I, you know i've had a few people you know when i i've mentioned that there's an maybe there'll be a stat correction maybe there's a stat correction and sean when you're talking stat corrections it's not one of those where was it a reception and then it's behind the line of scrimmage this is half a rushing yard that would need to be reversed but i'm not holding out hope i'm gonna i'm gonna keep this as a, a badge of honor for 
you know when people anyone brings up tough semi-final losses i i don't think i'll beat this one but i want to know any listeners out there the closest i got yet i did have one person who replied to me on twitter that did lose by 0.08 so i still have them beat by 0.03 but yeah i was chatting with monty last week and he and john lipinski had a dynasty advance situation in the ffpc where they finished 117.95 to 117.95 and so then it like reverted back to you know victory points assuming there wasn't a stack correction on he didn't update me with that he said he was very concerned about it because they actually did have the victory point tiebreaker but dead tie all the way to the hundredth wow. position wow yeah some you know thing there's always you always think this is the closest or this is the weirdest or the, you know there's always something else around the corner that's the one thing fantasy football in the nfl will always spring upon you when you think you've seen it all you have not seen it all yet but sean we are going to do a shorter show today obviously with the holiday schedule and so on is there anything from this week that you wanted to mention that we haven't mentioned any plays any players thoughts um, i would just say congratulations to the las vegas raiders who have really rallied around antonio pierce and gotten a couple of big wins here they absolutely embarrassed the kansas city chiefs yesterday at arrowhead and got a merry christmas for their fans we think about the situation with the commanders i do think that they should have fired ron rivera just you know if you're considering eric Bieniemy at all it'd be nice to get a little bit of a look at him the thing with the commanders is that they have played such uninspired football over the last month and it's not necessarily fair to the head coach to put it on him but it is something where the leadership element there we saw it with the chargers we obviously have seen it with the raiders some of these teams where you do make a move and you get a little bit of a fresh start you'd at least like to see them playing hard you're not really getting any of that from them right now i think that despite the victory we could have made that same argument for the atlanta falcons it was fun to see taylor heineke come out and do some of the things that he does he obviously got a short stint earlier in the season where he wasn't able to pull off the magic that he has demonstrated on occasion. He doesn't have to be great in this one because without Michael Pittman, the Indianapolis Colts are completely and totally toothless there. The Falcons are able to hold Jonathan Taylor to just the 43 yards on the 18 carries. Kylan Granson leading the way at receiver. You just need, you really need a different player in that Alec Pierce role. He's not an NFL caliber starter. The Colts probably one guy away in their receiving core from being such an interesting team in 2024 but mostly Colin we want to send out a happy holidays again to all the listeners we're rooting for you hope that you have fun stories from this week it is so much fun to hear from the OT community on what they have accomplished and also with the proliferation of contests and the number of folks in the community who play in a decent number of leagues so much sort of heartbreak as well so many stories of the close losses we definitely empathize with you there had the close losses of our own and we'll just keep enjoying every minute of it you want to experience the highs experience the lows work through it all and come back and enjoying your football so column hopefully everyone had a great week 16 and as you said we're we're into the fantasy finals now so depending on christmas schedules and all that we'll have some more content later in the week but we hope everyone has had a wonderful time with family good christmas good holiday start here we love you all and 
Colin, it's been fun to be able to get on here and chat with you for a few minutes. It has been. And one of the things that I actually noticed, Sean, last week at the end of it, I haven't mentioned this to you either, but I think we're three episodes away from episode 700 of Road of His OT, which is uh, pretty wild. I was thinking the perfect way for that to happen would be to win this best ball tournament, but you know, we'll still have to do episode 700 regardless. But it is a fun time of year. It can be a tough time of year for people. There's a lot of pressure for people, I'm sure, family-wise, but there's also a lot of pressure when you're accumulating the end of your season. And one of the reasons, even that close loss that I shared today, one of the things we try and do here is always be transparent because there'll be lots of people who say they win everything, they never lose, all their teams have advanced. But it's important to also, when you do have teams advancing, to let people know how tough it is to do that. And there is ups and downs along with the fantasy football game. But Sean, we are going to finish it up there. Later in the week, we may have that other show. As always, subscribe to Road of His Overtime. Get all the episodes once they are available. Happy holidays to everyone listening. Happy week. And all the two things as well. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime My co-host is Sean Siegel. His work, as always, is up on roadofis.com. It is linked in today's show description as well. Check that out. Waiting on a stat correction. We'll see if it happens. But until then, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.